0: Due to the growing demand for liberty-minded publications in Europe, the Tax.me project is issuing its first physical paper magazine covering free market economy, science, personal liberty, and politics from a libertarian's perspective. A magazine is nothing without its contributors. That is why we need your help. Do you have an intelligent article that you think should be published in our first edition? Submit it to us. Email your submission to info at DoNotTax.me. Topics that we want to publish are free market economics, laissez-faire, personal liberty, and libertarian-minded content. Keep the size of the content between 600 to 3,500 words. Submit an original content that has not been published anywhere else. That's info at donottax.me. All right, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Rebel with a Cause. I am your host, Eric, and joining me today, the beautiful, the wonderful Naomi Brockwell. How's it going?
1: It's going pretty well. How are you?
0: Ah, as well to be expected. I'm vertical uh, above the grass, sucking oxygen. So
1: <laughs> that's always good. It's definitely a step in the right direction. <laughs>
0: that's right. So I haven't turned into a zombie just yet, since this is going to be the Halloween episode. Q, eerie it, halloween music right
1: <laughs> it is a uh, a spooky time of year and it has nothing to do with ghosts and everything to do with government surveillance and all the bad things going on in the world right now
0: yes very scary very spooky uh so speaking of zombies uh, it's uh u.s uh, banks it's kind of like the biggest zombie around huh central banking as, a, <laughs> as an institution <laughs>
1: I found it hilarious that just last week you had this big meeting of like these G20 uh, countries and all these ministers for finance and you had the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. Like all of these big players get together and they're discussing how they want to start their own central bank digital currencies and what they need to do, like what is the international standard going to be, how they're going to implement it, what's the roadmap and all of this. And I found it hilarious because – they put out this report and they said, well, by the end of 2022, we should have finished our research into it. And uh, by the end of 2025, we should be able to start implementing the use of central banks, digital currencies, stable coins. And meanwhile, the whole crypto space is going like, "Um, we've had stable coins since like 2014, you know? And this central bank is like talking about zombies. They're taking so long to do this. And I feel like, by the time they finally get around to catching up with where the crypto space is now, by then the crypto space is going to be operating in a completely different paradigm, you know? And it just like, right. it's incredible how slow these behemoth bureaucracies move. And, uh, and, you know, that, that always gives me hope. You know, if there's one thing in the world that gives me hope, it's that these giant bureaucracies move so slowly that they just don't catch up to technology quickly enough. Um, And so that that makes me a little happy that you always stay one step ahead. But the problem is, is that you always have people retroactively uh, (laughs) going after uh, people when they finally figure out what the laws are and finally figure out how to regulate all this stuff. You know, it's you're not really safe just because they haven't caught up yet. So a lot of stuff going on there.
0: Yeah, being uh, individuals of of the Liberty Stripe, uh, we're always figuring out ways of sidestepping government regulation and bank regulation and everything else. And it is it is a careful game of uh, cat and mouse. At some point, they'll figure out what we're trying to do, and then they'll try to plug those holes. And, of course, when they do that, it creates different holes that need to be plugged up later on. So, yeah, it, anytime I hear, you know, oh, well, we need to get a stable coin, it's like load up Coinbase. There are so many that you could spit in any direction and hit one. <laughs> <laughs> Had it for so long. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a, a Bitcoin maximal type of guy. So if like, uh, like if I get tipped on the Brave browser or something like that, I just convert everything over to Bitcoin anyways. But uh, yeah, so anytime I see this where they're saying, oh, well, we've got a, we, we've we got this crisis of the unbanked, you know, poor people don't have banks. And we're like, that's kind of a smart thing. They they probably don't want to be a part of that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's um, it really is this financial revolution that we have now. And so many people just haven't clued into that fact. Um, But people who are unbanked are cluing into that fact. They're realizing they suddenly have access to this global financial system. They're realizing they now have access to this global you know, credit supply, this global marketplace in a way that they never have before. So right. they're understanding the benefits of this. Meanwhile, the governments are only looking at the downside of, well, we're losing control. There's this thing that's outside of a, a, the scope of our control. You know, what are we going to do about it? And um, it really is, it's kind of two different narratives being fought over uh right now there's people who are saying this is a financial revolution this is helping the on banks this is helping giving people back control over their finances uh helping them escape dictatorial regimes and meanwhile the government's saying this is helping the drug smugglers or whatever else you know whatever their latest smear campaign is um it's uh it's just fascinating to watch all of this play out but ultimately you know i'm just happy that this technology exists
0: yeah, it it definitely kind of shows their hand a little bit, especially when that uh representative Brad Sherman got up to talk about Bitcoin and it was like, well, you know, they're talking about taking away government power and this is such a bad thing and we're all like, yeah, yeah, you you, you got the point there, buddy.
1: <laughs> so this episode it's uh being released on Halloween, correct?
0: That's correct.
1: Well, you know what date Halloween also is? Mm. Do you? do you it is the anniversary of the bitcoin white paper released on october 31st 2008 on the on uh perry Mesca's mailing list the cryptography mailing list and uh that was the first time that the world heard about bitcoin in its white paper form so happy birthday bitcoin
0: exactly you know what uh we strive to learn something new every day and uh i just learned that, that it was released on uh, october 31st i thought it was uh, released in january of 2008
1: <laughs> That uh, was when the uh, the genesis block was mined, and it was two thousand and nine. Uh, so a few months ah, later, okay. after the white gotcha. paper was released, uh, over the next few months, a bunch of people started coding it up, and probably had already started coding it up if we're if we're being honest. But then they really just honed it, worked with different people, helped. mini, got involved. Maybe he was already involved. Who knows? No, we don't know who Satoshi is. Um, right. And uh, then yeah, genesis block was finally mined in uh, January third the next year.
0: Oh well, then happy birthday, Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: see and they just had ruined my uh bitcoin maximalish uh cred there and i, I didn't know the actual work they <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's a scary time uh and thank god that there's a you know a bitcoin out there and people are kind of learning it's like hey i don't really have to go to a bank for a loan i can get all that stuff done on bitcoin and it's all on the blockchain and it's all verified and everything uh, so other things in the, uh, in the news that are kind of scary, spooky, it's, uh, you know, the vampires out there, the people that suck blood off of everybody else. And to this, we're referring to politicians and, uh, next month, you know, you just <laughs> hear in a few days, we have an election of vampires.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in the aftermath of that? Like what, what do you think the likeliest outcome of the election is going to be?
0: Uh, if I had, if I was a betting man, uh, I would say Donald Trump is probably going to get reelected. It isn't going to be in a huge margin. So there's probably going to be enough of a, uh, margin of error there that, uh, the Biden camp will not, uh, will not stop the, uh, the campaign long after the election. He just won't accept the re- election results because we had, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh probably one of the biggest ghouls out there speaking of uh, scary skis, and she says just yeah don't quit no matter what no matter what happens just uh keep going so i i'm gonna use the term interesting but uh that's probably not a good word to to describe what i think is gonna happen it's uh i I think what (laughs) we've seen in uh, portland and in kenosha all of that stuff is probably going to get a little bit more ratcheted up if the uh Mango Mussolini, as I like to call him, gets uh, reelected so not going to be
1: fun it's uh yeah, I mean I I'm a little bit worried about what's happening and what's going to happen. Uh, a lot of civil unrest that you feel is just kind of brooding right now and on top of that, you I mean, you look at first of all uh, on both sides like i just don't see a good outcome from anyone who wins this election because on the one hand you've got trump who um you know he has people like bill Barr who are completely anti-encryption they've been going on this very anti-encryption bent. meanwhile it is a um a bipartisan bill uh, several that they've been putting through but on the other side i mean kamala harris is just like this hawk as well like there are there are no people out there uh there's no option that is kind of Pro privacy, pro free speech, pro any of that. It's this very totalitarian future ahead of us. I mean, looking like in terms of ghoulish things, just looking at the anti-encryption bills yeah. that are, uh, you know, in in the house right now and and being voted on. Like we've got the EARNIT bill. You've got the lawful access to encrypted data acts. All of these things uh, basically will destroy the internet as we know it. Um, the EARNIT bill is basically going to take away a safe harbour that has made the internet prosper Um, section 230 which basically allows uh publishers places like youtube or facebook or platforms that allow people to write their own content on there basically takes away liability from them and says you are not liable for things that are written on there assuming you don't know that those things are being written. like If you know that there are illegal things being written, you'll be forced to take it down. But until then, you're not going to be the one held liable. And this has allowed people to actually have leniency, allow people to create their own accounts, publish what they want. And if this were to be overturned, which is basically this executive order that Trump has put through and uh, which people like Bill Barr and Lindsey Graham have been Trying to force through um, all under the guise of protecting children, but it's a very anti encryption yeah. uh, uh, a bill. And uh, you know, if this goes through, it will completely change our relationship with the internet. Um, you know, publishing platforms like YouTube or Reddit or any of these places will have to have much more strict guidelines for how people use their platforms. There will have to be all kinds of verification before you can use these platforms because they just won't be able to risk allowing people on there to write things if they know that they're liable for it, if they're not protected by this Section 230. So... You know, that's terrifying. And then this Lawful Access to Encrypted Data Act basically gives the government access to your most private communication. It puts backdoors in your devices and apps. If, you know, things like Signal, for example, if they say, well, we don't have access to people's messages, it would require them to redo their system to make sure that there is access for government to, to right. be able to access these communications. Um, and that stuff is, is really terrifying for me because, uh, we live so much of our lives on the internet these days. And, uh, it's. it it it, like i mean because so much of our lives uh, are on the internet generally face to face you know you can always whisper you can say things behind closed doors we always have have a certain degree of privacy but that life because i mean we've got all this quarantining you've got um just like remote working you've got this global economy rising and people making friends across the internet because that life is transferred to the internet we should be able to protect i mean uh, presume a certain amount of privacy and that's all being stripped away right now. We're basically setting the precedents for the long lasting effects of this are going to last decades. So I, I do worry about what's happening on the internet in terms of privacy, free speech, all of that.
0: Yeah, as well you should. Encryption is is just one of those safeguards. You know, I don't want my neighbors to know what my banking statements are, are like, much less the government. Uh, and the only kickback that i get from that is from my uh my friends and family on the on the right side of the political spectrum it's always like well if you've got nothing to hide then you have nothing to worry about and i said okay great uh download your entire search history for the last 10 years and send it to me and not one of them has ever taken (laughs) me up on the offer oddly (laughs) enough
1: well, it's the idea that, you know, we all close the door when we go to the bathroom, right? We're not doing anything yeah, exactly. illegal in the bathroom, but there is something to be said about being able to selectively reveal yourself to the world, as the cypherpunks uh, phrased it. Right. And uh, I don't think we can live in a civilized society unless we have that right. And the fact that that's been taken away from us and there's no selectivity anymore, there are dragnet search results now that the FBI can, um, can get of all your search history. that was passed in the courts you know um that was that was uh slid through as part of the reauthorization of the patriot act so there are all kinds of things that people don't realize um have just taken away that privacy from us it is is nothing to do with um doing illegal things it's just the right to live in a civilized society yeah. and on top of that i mean it's twofold right because on the one hand the, people, as I said, you you even lock the door when you go to the bathroom. Right? Exactly, <laughs> you want that security. <laughs> um, but on the other side of things, we also don't want to live in a fully uh, uh, you know compliant society where everything people does is legal, and that's a harder case to make. But it's important case to mention. And Moxie Marlinspike, the CEO of Signal, uh, wrote a great article talking about this because. If you look at throughout history and all the bad laws that have been in existence, I mean, we had slavery, we had all kinds of things um, that you just wouldn't want to continue. You know, we would not want to live Uh, under the exact same laws as we had in 1700s. It's just like society evolves. Now, the way it evolves is brave people going out there and breaking the law and being a trailblazer. I mean, we started this movement of, uh, you know, marijuana becoming accepted in society for medical uses and and all kinds of things. And that only started because people were first of all breaking the law and then the norms change. You know, the laws don't change and then people's behaviour changes. It's the other way around. people's behavior changes and then the laws are kind of a signaling device and it's a lagging indicator of these cultural shifts and so you you don't like i mean rosa parks you know a prime example of someone that she broke the law right so do you want a law that is so cold and static that everyone is 100 percent compliant at all times because that is a, a society where no laws will ever change no one will ever have the ability to break free and you know convince people that these laws should be changed like that that is not a society that i want to live in for sure i think that we have a yeah. long way to go with repealing bad laws <laughs> and i definitely don't want the society frozen in place right now with everything we have at this moment
0: yeah just like all of those silly old laws uh from days past like uh you know black people have to sit at the back of the bus or whatever uh you know she had uh sat in the front of that bus on several different occasions and it was just that one time where the bus driver made a stink and called the cops on her you know but that sometimes that's all it takes
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: so, uh, yeah, so the vampires are out of the way. Uh, we've used a bunch of garlic and silver crosses and everything on them. So, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't stand either of them. Uh, Joe Biden gets on my nerves and uh, and some part of me does feel a little bit sorry that, the, you know, it's this elderly man with dementia and he's being forced to go out there. And <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I mean, the guy's <laughs> just got awful. And uh, so, let's see what else. What else is uh, kind of scary out there? Um, hmm. Well, like you said, we had uh, encryption laws being violated all over the place. Um, hmm. What else? Let's see. We have the. Uh, oh yes, plague. <laughs> we have the uh, the Kufkoff restrictions and everything else going on. Um, it, it, last time I checked, when you do a quarantine, you quarantine a sick person and not a healthy person. But. Uh, now, you're up in New York City, and I know up up there it's uh, been ridiculous. Uh, has that gotten any better up there? Or is it like uh, you're starting to see a little bit more people outside? Or is it still kind of nuts?
1: Well, I mean, I think the main issue right now is that when all of this started, we had very little information about what was going right. on. Um, there was, you know, it was this exponentially growing threat. It was a new virus. And the main concern of people was do we have capacity at the hospitals do we have the ability to control this do we have enough respirators and that was a real concern and people were predicting these high numbers if we did not have these things and and everyone like you know i can understand that sort of uh, a mentality and what's interesting is if you actually look at the uh, movement data and it's it's another kind of creepy thing for for halloween um (laughs) It it has given us interesting data, but the creepy thing is how they got the data is by looking at people's uh, phone records and just seeing people's movements by looking at his phone records. Um, But we did gain some interesting data by being able to look at that. that, um, And uh, it's interesting that before governments even mandated any sort of quarantine, people were voluntarily like not moving (laughs) they just like mobility just came to a halt because everything was so uncertain and so you didn't need the government to come in and say like everyone close down your businesses you're not allowed outside individuals on their own accord were deciding what was good for them and um and now we have a lot more information we uh know a lot more about treatments we have had lots of people kind of studying this thing and we're still in this kind of um situation where people are digging their heels in right and uh people are saying like you know we need like everyone to stay home and, and not open their businesses. Like We're starting to see the aftermath of that. We're looking around the world. We're looking at bars that in this year have lost 90% of their revenue. Um, I mean, governments are forcing them to stay shut. Are the governments going to compensate them for this lost revenue? Because they still have to pay their land taxes. They right. still have to you know cover their overhead. They pay their rents, do all of these things. Um, no, they're not seeing any relief from this. You're seeing business after business uh, go bankrupt. You're seeing people get Thrown in jail for opening up before they're allowed to. You're seeing people be thrown in jail, like in Australia, for example. Goodness, um, there were a couple of viral videos that went out where uh, the first one was this pregnant woman, and the police came into her home and stole all of her devices and said, "You posted on Facebook that you plan to go to this um, this protest about opening yeah, the economy that, back up." That was right so down right down
0: there her. in your home country. So. <laughs>
1: It's uh, crazy, and then you had this other guy, and he, if you actually look at the video that he posted, it's incredible that he could be arrested, but he was arrested for incitement because he um, went on on YouTube, made a video that said, "Hey guys, I can't encourage you to do anything. You need to make up your own mind. I'm just letting you know that I will be attending the protest about you know lockdowns and opening up the economy." And it just it, the scariest thing to come out of all of this for me is how willing people are to give up their freedom. Um, and like, for me personally, like, you know, I, uh, I'm i still quarantining. I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe your listeners weren't like this, but I'm being careful. You know, I'm a singer. If I get a cough that lasts for three months, then I'll get nodes on my vocal cords. Yeah. I, like, that's not a good situation. The same way that I'm very careful in flu season in general. You know, um, I, I generally try not to get sick. And uh, I think it's up to individuals to figure out their own risk parameters and uh, work within those parameters. And right now you basically have these blanket rules being forced on everyone, which is just sending such a tremendous amount of people bankrupt. You talk about New York City. Like right now you wander around the streets of New York. And uh, on the one hand, it's kind of exciting. I will say that. And what's exciting is walking down the streets and seeing streets closed down because they've opened them up for restaurants you have all of this outdoor dining you have people who are just like bleeding onto the, the the footpaths with their these beautiful arrays of palm trees and bouncy balls and you know fairy lights and all. it's beautiful like to look at new york right now it's an adventure with all of this outdoor dining that's going on right um And part of me is like why have we had this all along like why are there so many (laughs) restrictions about what businesses can do you know like i would love to see this stuff uh all the time but then the other side of me my heart just breaks because every second store is shuttered and you see high turnover in new york at the best of times it is hard to have a business in new york because the the regulations are onerous. The hoops you have to jump through are onerous. And just getting that profit margin, you know, getting yourself in the black is really difficult. Um, and now it's so much harder because people have just not been allowed to open um, and uh, and everything is shuttered. So there are just for rent signs everywhere. And that just breaks my heart. And uh, it breaks my heart also because people weren't given the opportunity to adapt. I've seen a lot of businesses that, you know, things have happened. They're performers or their dance classes right and then they're like okay we'll adapt we'll use zoom we'll offer zoom classes and you see businesses kind of change these things like if you if you don't allow a business the opportunity to adapt and say well we're just going to open at night hours when people aren't around as much or we're just gonna you know we're gonna do things that you know will still allow us to pay our rent um but you know we'll make up our own mind about the best way forward for our business like i just think that it's terrible that this choice has been taken out of the hands of individuals.
0: Yeah, and at least this one thing is kind of exposed that uh, centrally planned anything uh, just isn't going to work. What will work in South Dakota isn't going to work in New York City. The population density is vastly different. Uh, You know, I'm down here in Baton Rouge and uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana is kind of known for having more restaurants than people in some places. So, you know, driving around town, we see all of the old restaurants that everyone loved to go to are boarded up and they're for sale. So. Oh it,
1: my God. Yeah. It just breaks just look, my heart, doesn't
0: it? Yeah. You just look at it. It was like, man, we, we had some good memories at that place and now it's, you know, for sale and who knows if yeah. another restaurant that's going to be as good, uh, is going to be there, but, uh, it's, it, it's terrible. And then, um, yeah, so getting on top of it, the, all of the young servers, cause Baton Rouge is a college town. We have LSU like right down the street here.
1: Right.
0: And most of those people, you know, they're going to school during the daytime and they're, you know, being a bartender or a waitress or something at night to earn a little bit of extra money and everything. And now those people are completely out of a job. So,
1: yeah, no, it's a a lot of that happening. It's super sad to see, super sad to see businesses not being allowed to adapt. And then you have some people who are sort of, I mean, in some ways it has catapulted us. 10 years into the future, right? Right. Because we did see this trajectory towards more decentralization, towards rem- remote working, all of that. You know, things going online more than before, things becoming Digital than it was more digital than it was before. Um, and that just got catapulted. Suddenly you had the breaking up of, of Silicon Valley with all of these companies. I think Jotbox was the latest one to announce. that um, all these places just announcing that they're going fully remote because they have the ability to do so. They're realising the overhead of having a physical location. They're just breaking apart. Um, I don't think people have fully grasped what kind of a change this is going to have on society yet. Uh, yeah. I think that the effects of this are profound and we haven't quite realised what they're going to be yet. Um, So that is one thing that I think is interesting. But some people are saying that, you know, the business closures, that this is just catapulting us forward too. I have to disagree with that statement Um, because I don't see how... Not allowing a business <laughs> to operate uh, is helping weed out the bad ones or the good ones. No, it's just helping you close down good businesses that otherwise would have been profitable and just setting them bankrupt. That is not catapulting us into the future and shutting down you know businesses that couldn't last and couldn't hold on. Like most businesses, do not have a treasure trove of of resources at their disposal so that if they're shut down for nine months of the year, they can survive. It's just not something that exists. Right. Right. So the fact that you have had all of these businesses go bankrupt right now, it isn't just because they weren't strong enough to survive. It's because they were forced out of existence, and that just is um, is really sad to see. I can understand um, this desire for people to protect others and to see a threat and want to, you know, make the best decision possible um, to protect from that threat. And you know, you look at the most threatened. Um, uh, people in in society at the biggest risk it's the elderly right yeah. so I can understand if a, if a old people's home wants to enforce stringent re- restrictions maybe have less turnover of staff maybe have fewer um you know uh workers coming in and out maybe make sure that people who come in have to have you know certificates to show flu vaccination something like that like i can understand each individual facility deciding what's best for the patients there are making up their own rules but the blanket rule where a college student is treated the same as an 80 year old doesn't make much sense to me a blanket rule where someone in super, super remote Wyoming is treated the same as someone in New York city. That doesn't make any, any sense to me. And, um, and it, right now, I just feel like it's a, it's more about control than anything else, which is, um, (laughs) it's sad to see lots of virtue signaling from people who are trying to pretend that they're looking out for people. And I don't see them looking out for people. I see them just trying to exercise control and destroying a lot of lives right now. I think that, um, you know, I, I think that much better decisions could have been made if they were made by individuals.
0: Amen to that. Yeah. That's what we're all about here. So it's, um, uh, yeah, kind of a one thing it's like right at the beginning. Uh, I remember in December and January, we were getting treated to these videos of, uh, random Chinese people just, like, passing out on the street. And it was like, this is COVID. This is what's going to happen. And then when we get it over here, it, I don't remember seeing anybody just pass out dead in the street.
1: Yeah, what's with that? <laughs> what is with that?
0: So, I mean, something was up. And I think the information got a little bit weaponized. And I'm not exactly sure who started it. But there was, like, was there was a lot of fear-based uh, mind control thing going on there. Uh, it's like... I, and then when you check the uh, the video itself, it's like some of these were you know years old, and it's just like rehashed video to something else. And, and so it's like right at the beginning of it, it's like it's like something is just not adding up here. But. Um, you know, we're we're in it now, and so hopefully it'll be done with and over with. And it's like uh, everybody that I talk to, you know, when we're walking around the office and we've got these uh, goofy masks on and everything, you know, you'll see somebody with it, you know, peeking out under their nose or they they just are done wearing it. You know, they don't want to sit at their desks and everything like like that all day with it. And, you know, they'll, they'll all say under their breath, it was like, man, I just can't wait until we have to stop wearing this stuff all over the place. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I'm with you.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's funny. Like I'm sort of in this weird situation where I, um, as part of the Liberty community, I just abhor the government coming in and making these decisions for people. You right. know, um, I think forced quarantine, was just a, it just is a terrible idea that has hurt so many people. Um, And, but the, I'm in this niche position because I, have also been very careful with like attending group gatherings and, you know, I feel yeah, exactly. like i in this weird thing. And again, your listeners will probably be like, Oh my God, she believes all of the propaganda. <laughs> but I mean, I've been wearing a mask for international travel for about 10 years now. Right. Um. So I, I, I'm, I am one of those crazy people in the airports, not over the past year. I haven't been in an airport. This is like years ago, those crazy people that you see wearing a mask. That's me. I just really, you know, I I don't like getting sick. It puts me out of commission. I um, I have a business to run and I just can't afford to do that. I, I want to be able to push through and, and make sure I'm as healthy as possible. So I am someone who does take my health very seriously and I go out of my way to make sure that I'm eating right and mitigating any sort of risk factors. So I have been very careful over the past nine months um, and I just, it still breaks my heart to just see the response to this and to see people it it, it being not so much about protecting health now but more about the virtue signaling more more about the controlling other people's behavior um i just You know, let individuals make up their own mind, let businesses make up their own mind. If a business wants to enforce, you know, mask wearing on their property, let them. It's you know, their property right to do so. Just frequent someone else if you don't like it. Um, but at the same time, you know, people don't have to frequent your business if you have bad rules. So be careful with your rules as well and make sure that you're not pushing people away. But individuals should be making their own decisions about this to just exactly this whole year is literally all we
0: ask for is that individuals kind of be in charge of their own life. Life.
1: <laughs> right it was such a novel concept isn't it yeah you know? but maybe that's another scary thing that we could talk about on halloween because it's <laughs> such a scary concept for people those who don't like to give others freedom i i truly believe it's because they don't believe that freedom works at all they actually don't believe in the in the right to freedom um and that's a terrifying concept to me the fact that that some people just don't believe that freedom Is something that is worthwhile pursuing. Um, You look at so many examples over the world where they just don't have any freedom. And I mean, I I don't want to emulate that. I want to move as far away from that as possible.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. It's uh, when you see people's reactions to different types of movies. So like the uh, the Hunger Games movies, and and they all praise Katniss Everdeen as being like this uh, rebel. And she's, you know, she wants to be free and wants, wants her friends and family to be free and everything else. But then when you start questioning them in their own life, it was like, okay, well, I mean, we practically have a government almost the same way. I mean, no, we're not sending teenagers in to go murder each other, but, uh, it, you know, it's kind of the, kind of the same kind of restrictions on what they can do, where they can go, who they can talk to and associate with. And it's like, but you don't want this for yourself. I, I don't, uh, there's a, uh, <laughs> there's a disconnect there that I don't quite understand
1: yeah yeah for sure so what do you think i mean there have been a lot of scary things that have happened this year what is like the number one for you what is like the the thing that you think is the most terrifying i don't i don't even know what i choose there's too many (laughs) (laughs) too many things that i just like oh my gosh is this really the path we're going down right now
0: yeah uh probably about the most terrifying thing was right when we thought that uh Congress had gotten their act together and it sent a bill to Donald Trump to end the genocidal war in Yemen and he vetoed it. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, even if you wanted to play the right against the right, it's like, this is Obama's war and you're continuing it. I don't understand this. And that's to me, it's um, like, I mean, anti-war should just be the default position. I don't, that's the one thing I, I really don't, I don't understand.
1: Well, that's interesting. That um, I mean, when when I watched the Democratic primaries, the when you're trying to find the candidate, you had Chelsea Gabbard, who I just think. Demolished um, Kamala Harris. Uh, oh, yeah. She just like w- kind of really highlighted her hawkish position. The wars. I mean, Telsey was a very anti-war candidate, and it's interesting that she just got shut down immediately. Yeah. She was not given airtime. She was not given any press. Um, she was a, a much better candidate in my my position. And I was like, okay, well, that's the end of Kamala um, well, yeah. then. And then she just yeah, the, the uh, Democrats had any like, principles, oh, gosh, she would
0: be the candidate. So
1: yeah. No, it just, um, but it's not about that. Like, it's even about when, when you look at people's stances on things, where has the contingent of people that are anti-war gone? Because both the left and the right are pretty much embracing war right now. Yeah. I don't know where that anti-war contingent went. Um, is it possible to even bring them back? You know, people just seem so fickle with their their point of view that it's, it's so easy for them to shift and, and, oh, well, my candidate now says this. Okay, well, I just believe this now. It's like there's no consistency or underlying principle to any of their uh, beliefs.
0: Yeah, that's uh, everyone's definitely in their own camps with that, because uh, I've I've talked to some Biden supporters and they're like, well, he's going to end the wars. I was like, he's the one who started them. (laughs) I I don't get why you guys uh, think that just because your guy's going to be in there, that things are going to change. You know, Biden's been around since 1973. He hasn't changed anything yet. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Ghosts and goblins of the of the state, Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> Ghosts and
1: goblins.
0: Yes. All right, let's have a little bit of fun, since we uh, just scared the pants off of everybody out there. Uh, what is your favorite <laughs> Halloween candy?
1: Favorite Halloween candy? Oh, gosh. Like, if um, you get this
0: in your um, bag, like- you know you're going to have a good night. Oh...
1: Any candy that's given to me via my crypto candy machine. <laughs> I have a machine that I used to use in live streams, and if people sent any amount of crypto to this specific QR it's code or specific address, suddenly, yeah, it would just dispense candy. So I like I remember someone actually shouted at me in one of my shows because they thought that I was really disrespectful with my guests, and I I own that. I totally was because <laughs> I'm sitting there having this you know serious conversation with someone. Suddenly, my candy dispenser goes off. It like dispenses these delicious. It's just little chocolate buttons and i just like squealed i'm like oh my god and i just interrupted her <laughs> and was just like started talking about my candy machine i was thrilled so yeah any any candy that comes out of my crypto candy machine because you're combining my two biggest loves which is chocolate and cryptocurrency yeah
0: there you go all right uh what is the worst halloween candy
1: oh worst halloween candy um you know i don't really like just sugary things that have no chocolate on them. Anything chocolate I'm going to eat, but I'm not a big fan of anything that's not chocolate and sweet. Isn't that funny?
0: That is kind of funny. It's like if you look down in your Halloween trick-or-treat bag and you see Jolly Ranchers, you know, that's ending up in the trash right away.
1: Well, I don't know what a Jolly Rancher is because I didn't, I mean, I didn't grow up here and have Halloween here. So I, we don't have Jolly Ranchers in Australia. So I don't think I've ever had any.
0: Yeah. So it's like a uh, fruit flavored hard candy.
1: Yeah. Hard candies. Nah, No nah, nah, it's going just, in the trash. Yeah,
0: immediately. <laughs> I'm not
1: like, if I'm going to have sugar content, I want that in the form of a hot chocolate or um, something chocolate, you know?
0: i got you I, i'm right up there with you I, I do love the chocolate myself so uh for me it is uh reese's peanut butter cups number one most favorite and then the yeah, they, worst they're
1: good that's the thing australia doesn't have either we never really got into the combining chocolate with um peanut butter and i think that america's done that brilliantly i love it i'm addicted <laughs> now
0: yes chocolate and peanut butter they go together so well and uh so the so worst good yeah so the worst would be like all of the stuff the boomers would give out so you know these uh oh god what is it like the little strawberry candies and everything it's like oh no no <laughs> it's like you <laughs> bought a bag that weighed like 10 pounds and you spent a dollar on it and this is what you're handing out no thank you <laughs> Well, Naomi, it's uh, been fun. Uh, I love interacting with your account, especially uh Emoji, and I guess now the uh, Nye Anime <laughs> character. <laughs> <laughs> Nye nay,
1: nay Anime. Uh, yeah, and Ananay.
0: An- a- that one doesn't really roll off the tongue as well as Nye Emoji. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nye Emoji. Anane a- no, a- is good. Anane and Nye Emoji. Yeah, I love those avatars. I um. They allow me to, first of all, make videos when I don't feel like being on camera, which is nice to have that optionality. Uh, But also they're just really... Expressive, and they kind of make me giggle. Like I um sometimes when I pull faces at myself on the camera, I'm just like, oh gosh, that's so like, you know that no one wants to see that. But I do it using the name emoji. I'm like, the emoji is hilarious. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> just this little floating head, and, and to give you an idea, it's like my little four year old daughter. She loves the uh, the emoji thing. So there is times where yeah. I have sent my wife several text messages back and forth with the little emoji things going. (laughs) And she loves being the unicorn most of all. So it's, it's really funny.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's amazing how good tracking software has gotten that leads us into a whole nother area of demons and scary things (laughs) with all these deep fakes coming out. But on net, I think that like, as a a film editor, for sure, I'm super excited about the advance in this uh, technology.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, think 20 years ago to animate a face, you know, that's rotoscoping and you're, you're going to have to have a team of oh, animators yeah. to yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's another good thing. All right. Well, Naomi, thank you for uh, coming on for the Halloween spooktacular. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day and we'll come at you again. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. No problem. See you later. All right, folks. And there she goes, Naomi Brockwell, NBTV. You can find her all over the place. And of course, uh, if you look down below in the show notes, I'll have her links to all of that stuff so you can easily find her. Maybe give her some crypto and uh, give her a chocolate. (laughs) That just uh, tickles me pink that she has a crypto candy machine. All right, guys. Well, uh, take it easy. We'll come at you next time with a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out. Is it too quiet?
1: Is it too something else?
0: Too something else? (laughs) Too Australian. I'm just kidding. Um... Is
1: it too Australian? (laughs)